1: Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues, and like the dude just said, yes, we are solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is, uh, oh, it's midweek. It's that day. It's uh, play it loud, boomer hit it.
2: Uh-oh. <laughs> Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is?
1: It's hump day. <laughs> oh, that's I love it. Awesome. <laughs> uh, every single week, just got to play it. It's, so, it's Camel Day at Right Side. So uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Booms, how you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah? I'm yeah. good. Just learning new tech stuff. You are. Every single day I come in here, he's like, I got this thing. I, I got to this, this new thing. I'm going to do this. <laughs> hey, we're going to do that. It's like, it's like, just be. It's like a babe in, in Candyland over here. So uh, I'm glad you like that stuff. Whew. I just I was in the Army. I was what they called a push-to-talk guy. I was the one who looked at the radio man and said, I need to talk to headquarters, and he'd say sunspots and frequency modulations and all that, <laughs> and I'd say, Seleski, if I push a little button, will I talk to somebody? Yes, sir. That's all I want to know. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Just making sure I just want to push a little button and talk to somebody. Um, That's all. Awesome. Anyway. All right, man. We got a great show laid on for you. Today's Wednesday. You know what that means. Four o'clock today. The Grand Council. My brethren Jeff Poor and Dale Jackson both on with us. We will opine. We'll ping each other with questions. We don't even know what the questions are in advance. We just see how we do. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes we don't. We still love each other when it's over. But yeah. Four o'clock today. The Grand Council. Stay tuned for that one. And I got a triple dipper that's going to blow your socks off. So hit it.
0: The Triple Dipper, three stories you've got to know. That's right, the
1: Triple Dipper, three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. Number one, medical marijuana is here. I'm calling this section the Bama Buzz. All right, so the Bama Buzz, where's it going to be? How are they setting it up? What's it going to mean to your community? How many communities are doing it? Uh, Bama Buzz. Number one, medical marijuana. You're going to want to hear this. I will give you the straight skinny on uh, high times in Alabama. All right. That's number one on the triple dipper. And then number two, the border wars. So yesterday, the Supreme Court did uphold. In fact, there it is on the screen right there as I'm speaking about it. The, did uphold Title 42 and any further attempt by the Biden administration to do away with it, pending the outcome of a trial on the merits in uh, February. So we're going to talk about what that means. And, oh, by the way, talk about what else is happening at the border that you may or may not be aware it's happening. Like, oh, I don't know, maybe the Air Force is uh, deciding not to allow its surveillance planes to be used for drug interdiction now anymore. That's just interesting. Number two on the Triple Dipper, the border wars. And then number three, we talked about it on the show yesterday. We played the applause the vaccine mandate for the military has now been officially lifted without any fanfare whatsoever from the Biden administration. Nothing. Nada. Barely a statement. So I've had to go in and sort of collect data and resource this part of the show and talk about what this means and also compare it to latest recruiting efforts. The vaccine odyssey. We'll talk about that. Number three on the Triple Dipper. Well, listen, uh, as I move to my comments, let me just let me just say this. Um, I love it when folks in the audience give me ideas. I get a lot of ideas. Some are good, some bad. But I get a lot of ideas. Yesterday in the middle of doing the show, a friend of mine, he texted me. He's a friend of mine who also happens to be a regular listener. He sent me a text. He said I had to read something. It was a direct tie-in to a commentary that I've been just doing on the show. So you may recall during a segment of Adventures in Woke World yesterday, one of the dippers, that I covered a story about the Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Mathematics. It's one of the most renowned high schools in the nation, apparently. The story covered down on the fact that the administration there has become so woke that they have literally been withholding information from students who have become national merit scholars. Can you imagine that? I mean, imagine this. You or your child with long years and grueling hours of study, earns the right to be named as a National Merit Finalist or semifinalist A fact that can really make all the difference sometimes in the competitive world of college admissions. And the school that your child goes to just deliberately refuses to make it known. Why? Why would they do this? Because it clashed with the new Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Mathematics Equitable Grading Standards. I kid you not. Basically, the pinheads in charge of Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Mathematics were so concerned that if one student excelled, the other students would then feel badly about themselves. So in their narrow and woke-minded view, they just chose to dumb down everyone instead of allowing excellence to rise to the top. So my friend texted me and he said, you got to read Harrison Bergeron. It's by Kurt Vonnegut. I was thinking, I don't have time for a whole book. But no, no. So I'm familiar with Kurt Vonnegut, me personally? A famous American writer known for books like Slaughterhouse Five, among others, but I had never heard of Harrison Bergeron. And what I've discovered, though, is Harrison Bergeron. It turns out is a short story, just written in 1961, maybe six pages. And wow, is it on point! Let me let me just stop here and read you a few of the opening lines. You ready? Here it goes. The year was 2081, and everybody was finally equal. They weren't only equal before God and the law; they were equal every which way. Nobody was smarter than anybody else. Nobody was better looking than anybody else. Nobody was stronger or quicker than anybody else. All of this equality was due to the 211th, 12th, and 13th Amendments to the Constitution and to the unceasing vigilance of agents of the United States Handicapper General. All right. Wow. So the story goes on to describe the very average lives of two people, George and Hazel Bergeron. It describes Hazel as being of average intelligence, but George was actually determined to be very intelligent, so the government office of the handicapper general made him wear a device that blasted erratic noises in his ears every few minutes to keep him from having clear and cogent thoughts that might exceed that of others. In the story, it was described as, quote, a sharp noise to keep people like George from taking unfair advantage of their brains. (laughs) Taking unfair advantage of their brains. George and Hazel, in the storyline, sat watching a ballet on TV but each one of the dancers, based upon their individual skills, were saddled with bags of birdshot to weigh them down so that no one could dance better than the other. Each of the dancers also wore masks so no one could be perceived as being more beautiful than the other. The title character, Harrison Bergeron, was the son of George and Hazel, but the Office of the Handicapper, or the Office of the Handicapper General had removed him from their home when he was 14 because he was too perfect, too attractive, too athletic, too smart and no one should have a child that much better than someone else. Harrison himself was featured in the story as the anti-equality character, and I won't try to spoil it for you by telling you what happened next, but I couldn't help but think that my friend who texted me about the story, Harrison Bergeron, was spot on. Spot on. The story of Harrison Bergeron by Kurt Vonnegut sounds creepy, and yet you can compare the same attitude to what we see in the ridiculous decisions by the people in charge of the Thomas Jefferson School for Science and Mathematics. Let me tell you, when those in charge become determined to suppress excellence in favor of equality, then failure becomes the norm and success becomes a crime. Let me say that again with as much emphasis as I can. When those in charge become determined to suppress excellence in favor of equity, then failure becomes the norm and success becomes a crime. You know, I'm personally tired of hearing about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Make no mistake, I'm not for discrimination or trying to keep someone down because of their race, sex, religion, or pregnancy. But the race to DEI is not that. DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, those are just synonyms for refusing to allow one person's merit to be the guide to their ability to serve or succeed. I can look at the current state of public service right now and know that DEI has become a tool that is really no different than just making everyone wear bags of birdshot and masks and putting sounds in their ears to prevent clear thought. It is farcical to think that for a second that that good will come of anyone, someone serving in a job or a title or security clearance or some power over others merely because they checked a DEI box and not because they were the best candidate for the job. Let's talk about a few cases and points. Samuel Britton, the cross-dressing, non-binary, radical kink fetish lecturer should never have had a top-secret clearance and never have had access to sensitive government information. It was wrong, and it failed. Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson, she's an extremely accomplished jurist with a sound legal mind. She should never have been put in the position of having an asterisk by her appointment to the Supreme Court of the United States merely because she was a black woman. She may well have earned it otherwise, but President Biden tainted her appointment by announcing that DEI was his first motive. How about Republican George Anthony Santos? He should never have been elected to Congress from the state of New York because he habitually lied about his own resume in an effort to be something that he's not. You see, Santos is a product of a society that believes that no one is okay the way God made them. You must be adjusted to be able to achieve an equitable outcome. There's no telling where else in life he's done that before, but I suspect we're going to be finding out in the not-so-distant future. How about this? Recently, I reported on the story of a school board in Pennsylvania where one of the members openly stated that she could not support one individual for the position as president of the board because, quote, he was the only cis-white male, and that even though she acknowledged that he would likely do a good job, she thought that it might send the wrong message. Luckily, she was compelled to resign a few days later. You see, DEI is where merit goes to die. When we allow ourselves to believe for a minute that no one is allowed to be the person God intended them to be or to exercise their own talents, gifts, and personal disciplines in such a way as to earn a position, then we have become nothing more than a society filled up with empty, average characters like George and Hazel Bergeron saddled with bags of birdshot and noisemakers so no one person can rise to their personal best. You see, DEI is where merit goes to die and where failure becomes acceptable. And that's a wrap for The Right Side Way. Well, there you have it. I mean, that story was not much different than what you saw in the Thomas Jefferson School for Science and Mathematics. It was the people in charge saddling those who might have excelled with encumbrances to prevent them from looking like they had actually excelled because it might offend someone else. Like the opening lines of the story said, it was the year 2081, and everybody was finally equal. Although they weren't equal, they were just encumbered in such a way that no one could be different. DEI's got to go, man. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Back Phil Williams Right Side Radio covering all of North Alabama solid conservative and just plain right saving the world one soundbite at a time. Uh, text lines are open by the way 833-687-4448 some of y'all are already in there. 833-68 right. And by the way if you ever forget that number uh, it is on the top of our website rightsideradio.org. Make sure you put the .org not .com. rightsideradio.org is our website. All our stuff's on there, by the way. Boomer keeps that thing maintained, and it's pretty prolific. Would you say prolific is a fair word for our website, bud? Yeah, I would say that. Prolific. Prolific. That's right. Um, Yeah, we got tons of stuff on there. So, yeah, listen, if you want to watch the show, uh, the live stream. By the way, I am proud of the fact that we still have the Christmas tree in the studio. You can see it online right now.
3: It is right there behind you.
1: Beautimous. It's a beautimous (laughs) Christmas tree. I do not want to take it down. I believe it should be Christmas in June. What do you say? Ooh, see, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people would say. No, no. We'll, we'll start getting the text yeah. then. <laughs> um, all right, Phil, this is enough. Now take it down. Um anyway, so yeah, the, the, go online, rightsideradio.org, go to our website. You can see all of our stuff. You can see the, uh, the live stream of the show. Uh, you can also, by the way, get live audio of the show if you want to just stream it on your phone or something while you're walking around. If you're getting outside of the overly broad range of our AM-FM capabilities across the northern half of the great state of Alabama, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, yep, uh, I like to always say no matter where you are in the whole wide world, go to the World Wide Web, click on rightsideradio.org. And no matter where you is, there we is. And uh, that's why we have great listeners all over the place. We got, we now have, uh, you know, I, it used to be it was always like Jeff from Indiana, Jerome from Rome. Uh, what we have, uh, we have, um, oh gosh, who is it in Spartanburg? Is it John in Spartanburg, South Carolina? Or uh, check my text real quick. I don't want to say that wrong. <laughs> um, but then we've also, now we got, uh, is it is it Rayson who lives in Hawaii that's listening to the show? Hawaii. Uh, that's that's just cool. Uh, but anyway, we appreciate all you guys listening, uh, even those of you who are way outside of our AMFMs uh, here in the, uh, the greater North Alabama area. Um, so, by the way, uh, one texter on the line just came on and said, Boomer, you might appreciate this. Uh, new texter on the line, Mike from Huntsville, uh, just said that uh, every Wednesday we play the Camel. And that's also his ringtone on his phone. And he always grabs his phone. <laughs> Even though he knows it's coming, he still grabs his phone. I told him. Just said, to check. <laughs> I told him I have a Van Halen song for a ringtone on my phone, which we also use as a bump on the show. And it gets me about half the time. <laughs> um, anyway, all that. All that and more, folks, rightsideradio.org. We're also live streaming the show right now on Tell Them Where, Booms.
3: Uh we got on our website at RightSideRadio.org, on YouTube, just look up Rightside Radio on Instagram, right side radio, and on our Facebook page at Rightside Radio. You got look us. at
1: any of those. You got us covered, dude. That's right. A lot of folks also podcast the show. Oh which is yeah. Check out cool. the podcast. Have you seen that lately? Man, Where's it's it at? we're at
3: one hundred and three thousand
1: through somewhere more than in there. I, I was I would have thought over one hundred four. You, you checking? You check right checking? Checking right now. Check right now. I, mean, I don't stop wasting time. Check right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've we've, uh, we've we got any number of ways for you to hear the show live or to hear the show after live. Um, but uh, what you got?
3: One hundred and three. One hundred and three. One hundred and three and like a half. So almost one hundred and three five hundred almost.
1: 1035. Yeah. All right. I like it. Yes. I like it a lot.
3: It went down a little bit because we didn't have any new shows.
1: Oh, the weekend. That's the weekend. right. The Christmas Everybody weekend.
3: Everybody was, you know, doing the Christmas thing. Come on.
1: Come on. Come on. What? <laughs> All right. Anyway, lots of new stuff out there. Hey, by the way, uh, I can I can tell right now that there's already new people texting in. So remember, we got somebody else new in the text line. Grab that. And I like it. We'll get your name. If you're texting in for the very first time, let me say this. 833-687-687 four 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 eight is both a text and a call in line. You can do both. Um but when you do for the very first time, text the word right side and it will it will then give you a uh, automatic message back saying, you know, welcome you right side ruffian or something like that. Tell us your first name and where you're from. And so that way we can put you in. That way we can identify Like I'm looking right now, I see Brian from Huntsville, Tony from Piedmont, Jeremy from Huntsville, Paul from Athens, Jim from Madison, Glenn from Bluntsville, Chris from Gadsden. I'm just going down the line of all these people who are texting into the show. So um, there it is. All right, we're going to cover some stuff today. and I'm going to start off with uh, a a dicey topic. Um, Bama Buzz. Bama Buzz is number one on the uh, Triple Dipper. Medical marijuana is coming to the state of Alabama. We are one of now 38 states, I believe it is, that has 39 states, actually, that have legalized the use of marijuana by prescription. Yeah. And so I'll be honest with you. I am opposed to this. But I will tell you also that part of my opposition was not just the fact that I'm not a fan of marijuana in general. My opposition was the manner in which they wrote this bill. This is the most god-awful non-Republican bill ever touted by Republicans as being a good thing for the state of Alabama. I'll tell you why when we get back. But let's just say the free market means nothing. Raising taxes is still okay. Doesn't matter what the FDIC says, or or, excuse me, not the FDIC, but the FDA says. And, oh, by the way, let's build government. That's what's happening with this bill. But we'll talk about that and where it's going to be in the state of Alabama. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. All you right-side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid, conservative, just plain right. I'm talking about this show covers some ground down south of Birmingham to all the way up north of Huntsville. Tuscaloosa back over to Gaston, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi. Thrown in just for good measure. Yeah. All right. So um, first one of the triple dipper, Bama Buzz. A little play on words there. I actually, by the way, I got the name. I was going to call it something like High Times in Bama or something like that. And then I realized that one of the resources that I had this morning came from a website called the Bama Buzz. And you know what, Boomer, I didn't even look. Can you look it up real quick? Is that is that a, like a marijuana-specific website? Or is that just like Buzz, like, you know, all the things we're talking about, like like a, a news site? I just happened to find a story and thought, yeah, I need to use this story. And then it's from the Bama Buzz. That's the name of my dipper now. Um, but so there it is. Let me, let me just back up and tell you. So a couple of years ago, um, I think three years ago to be exact, the, um, the Alabama legislature passed the, um, medical marijuana bill. Now they had studied it for a year, although everybody knew it was a foregone conclusion. You could already see what was happening. They studied it for a year, studied it. And of course came back with all the reasons why we need to go ahead and do this. Well, let me, list, let me just tell you how the, the the bill was put together. Let's put aside for a second how you may or may not feel about marijuana, all right? If this was the aspirin bill, it would be an awful bill. Why? Because it does so many things that Republicans say we don't stand for. So the first thing I have an issue with is the mere manner in which this law was put into effect, and they wouldn't hear it. It's like they couldn't. If you want to have medical marijuana, just... Go for it. But why did you do some of what you did? Well, the first thing they did as Republicans was they grew government. Because now we have an entire new department called the Cannabis Commission. And the Cannabis Commission has no limitations on how many they can hire. And the Cannabis Commission will now be operating as a quasi to fully governmental status. The Cannabis Commission, by the way, is also going to have its own investigators. No, no, you can't use the Attorney General's office. You have to have your own Cannabis Commission investigators with arrest authority and warrant authority and the ability to subpoena. And they will be the enforcement arm of the new wing of government called the Cannabis Commission. In the Cannabis Commission, by the way, they are given the right to a warrantless search and seizure. What does that mean? That means they can walk in unannounced without a warrant and search. They can search you. They can search the premises. And they can also search anyone who happens to be in the premises they think might be involved. So let's say you're stopping by the cannabis dispensary to pick up your prescription. And you've got your cousin with you who's in town for a visit. And y'all stop in there just to get your, you know, your latest batch. And the uh, and Guido with the nose ring working the counter because it won't be a pharmacist because pharmacists are not allowed to dispense marijuana because it's still a controlled substance under federal law. They could lose their license. Guido with the nose ring at the counter will be serving you. And next thing you know, the Cannabis Commission Enforcement Agents authorized by the state legislature will walk in the door and they'll search your cousin who's in town for reasons just to visit you know and you know who knows what happens but it was warrantless search and seizure therefore they're allowed to do it there's that how about the fact that the cannabis commission is also going to authorize who is allowed to prescribe the medication not prescribe the medication but administer the medication and it may not be you as the parent so, if you have a child with a seizure disorder that you feel would be beneficial for them to have a cannabis related product, but you have a criminal record or something in your background that gives them pause, some kind of a red flag, you won't be the one administering the medication to your child. I you have to have special caregivers authorized by the Cannabis Commission to come into your house to administer the medication. You know, never mind the antibiotics and CBD oil, even, all those things are out there that you can use because you're a parent. You can't, not with this. So there'll be somebody called a caregiver has to come to your house and do what they do. We still don't know the full ramifications of what happens if you're a commercial driver, or for that matter, if you're a school bus driver and you have a cannabis license, um, a permit. Um, all these things are in place. Here's the other thing. In Alabama, we don't tax prescriptions. We don't. It's a point of sale. Here's what it is. We're not taxing your prescriptions. Oh but this is a prescription, and we're going to tax it. Really? Why is that? Why is it uniquely different? Well, we have to fund the Cannabis Commission. Really? Well, Alabama's sales tax rate is 4%, except for cannabis. Cannabis is going to be 9%. 9%. More than twice the usual sales tax rate on something that we normally would not ever tax at all because it's a prescription. We're going to double tax it. Oh, by the way, that's just the state. Then the, the locals are allowed to tax on two to three more cents, I believe. So you could be looking at paying, you know, upwards of 10 to 12 cents on the dollar for your cannabis. It's, it's going to be uh, interesting to watch. Um, now, this is going to be strictly governed. There are going to be uh, ordinances in place that allow for it to happen. Some towns are going to want it, some aren't. But the fact is, what you just looked at there, or what you heard me talk about at the very least, was a bill that I, I actually went down to Montgomery after I left office to speak against this bill, and I told them, same thing I told you, if this was the aspirin bill, it would be a bad bill because we as Republicans say that we're for limited government. This grows it. We're for lower taxation. This raises it. We're for civil liberties, but this violates them. And we're, we're for, by the way, um, parents having a say in their child's progress. And this requires some of those parents to then have a caregiver come into the house. All said and done, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting to watch. They passed it. It's the law. The same folks that went ahead and decided gas tax was a great idea and have yet to give a tax refund, thought it'd be a great idea to go ahead and pass medical marijuana with all of those restrictions and governing guidelines and a new governmental entity. By the way, I will go ahead and jump forward to my stack here and tell you that here come the lobbyists because story from AL AL Daily News, uh, October of this year, the new Medical Cannabis Association is now launched. Patrick Lindsay is the group's executive director. I remember Patrick Lindsay. Patrick Lindsay is the new executive director of the Medical Cannabis Association. In his words, it's an honor to serve as the first executive director of this novel association, launching at the perfect time to advance the well-being and future of Alabamians. Yep. So what you have there, by the way, are the cannabis lobbyists. That's the Medical Cannabis Association that will soon, I guarantee you, soon be lobbying for uh, the expansion of the current medical cannabis law to allow more dispensaries Reduced restrictions on growers and shippers and the ability to, um, you know, just basically do more with medical cannabis. Okay, now that I've had my rant about the legislative aspects of this, let's talk about the rest of it. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch how this happens. All right, so let's go back to this, um, this whole thing about medical marijuana. It's, it's 1819 News has a story that came out uh, in October of this year headline is conflicts between state and federal drug laws cause some confusion over medical marijuana there are still questions that haven't been fully answered so right now applications are in for cannabis dispensary licenses right uh, and for growers for that matter but it's still going to be a lot of a lot of months like maybe up to a year before they actually hit the shelves uh, meanwhile marijuana is still a illegal narcotic in the eyes of the federal government all right so 39 states have legalized it but there exists what 1819 refers to as a tension between state and federal laws, which leads to some confusion and how to do things on a day-to-day basis. So Larry Stutz, State Senator Larry Stutz. I should have gotten Larry Stutz on the show. Love Larry Stutz. Just a great guy. He's the only guy I know who is both a veterinarian and an OBGYN. So he can birth your baby's four-legged kind or two-legged kind. But, um, but Larry Stutz is a state senator, very conservative guy. Serves from Tuscumbia up here in our listening area. Larry Stutz was opposed to this bill. So it was kind of interesting because there were, only, there were only two medical practitioners, medical doctors, MDs, in the legislature, excuse me, in the Senate, when this bill was being debated. One was Tim Melson, an anesthesiologist, who was the sponsor of the bill, and the other was Larry Stutz. Two doctors, they were divided. One opposed, one for it. That kind of tells you what the medical community is like. There's a split. Don't let anybody tell you by the way, this is a done deal that you know that, that everything is everything is satisfied, the science is in. It's 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 all real, everything works. Well, not necessarily. It's, it's, the, the medical community is split on this. The same as the medical community is split on COVID vaccines, the same as the medical community is split on gender affirming care, they are split on medical marijuana. Larry Stutz is an example. He said in the article here Right now, there is no such thing as a prescription for marijuana. He said by the FDA guidelines, marijuana is still listed as a Schedule I narcotic. It's in the same category as heroin. No known medical benefits and can only be used in research. Stutz said doctors would only be able to recommend medical cannabis for patients, not prescribe it like other medicines due to FDA guidelines. In his words, he said drugstores won't be stocking it, pharmacists can't dispense it, and physicians cannot write a prescription for it. The deal is on the federal level. They've just chosen not to enforce that rule in other states, so I'm sure Alabama will not be an exception. So what he's basically saying there is, yeah, it's it's not a done deal. It's it's gonna be weird. It's considered a medication that you can't get at the drugstore. You have to go to a special dispensary. That's why it's being set up this way. All right, so states have to be careful, the article says here, not to run afoul of certain federal drug laws. For example, Alabama Medical Cannabis Commissioner John McMillan said in a recent interview that all medical marijuana dispensaries will have to be cash only due to federal banking laws. Really? But I thought that it was a done deal. Well, the banking laws don't let you buy medical marijuana, even if you put the word medical in front of it. It's cash only. So all of these dispensaries that are going to pop up around the state that have your cannabis for medical purposes only, purely for medicinal purposes, it's Papa's recipe. Anyway, these cannabis dispensaries are going to be cash only because banking laws don't allow you to use credit cards and debit cards for this kind of transaction. And insurers don't cover it. Cash only. Marshall County Sheriff Phil Sims. by the way, if it's cash only, that means it's hard to trace the records. Just saying. Marshall County Sheriff Phil Sims. I know Phil Sims. he's a good dude. Marshall County Sheriff Phil Sims is already anticipating issues with the new medical marijuana law, but he's less worried about federal intervention than he is about making sure his deputies just know what to look out for. He said, if we find somebody who's got plant-based marijuana, like a dime sack or a quarter bag or something like that, and they try to throw that medical marijuana card out, well, it's not going to cover you. He said, when I say plant-based, I mean like regular weed, like a bud, like smokable kind. It's not going to cover that. And it's going to be a lot of confusion. People are going to have marijuana on them, try to pretend that they had a prescription, then be told no. The kind you have does not cover it. Law enforcement's going to have to be brought up to speed on this. Um. All right. I tell you what. I'm going to jump right into where the cannabis, uh, res- where the city councils and county governments are are that are approving this for your area. You may want to know. Um, because there's going to be upwards of 37 dispensaries around the state, 67 counties. You can kind of get the lay of the land here. But some of the counties, they're going to centralize them in some of the more populated areas, it looks like. We'll talk about that when we get back from the break. Um, 1819 News has another story. Only 10 cannabis applications have actually been received, even though hundreds were requested. But they've got a 10-day deadline, I think the end of this week, actually, to when they can get their applications in. We'll cover down on it, the Bama Buzz, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Um, All right, story on 1819 News. We're in number one of the Triple Dipper, the Bama Buzz, talking about medical marijuana coming to the state. What do you need to know? What should you expect? Um, I think it was uh, probably the most awful bill I've ever seen carried by a bunch of so-called Republicans. Uh, It's like they just totally forgot the principles that they say they campaigned on. Ask any one of them, by the way, if they campaigned on lower taxes, less government, uh, and uh, the enforcement of of civil liberties and that kind of thing, ask them why they pass this bill. Um, Because it does all those things not. Um, Okay, story on 1819 News. So the way this works, by the way, the Alabama Medical Cannabis Commission has to receive your request for an application uh, to get into the cannabis business, right? Um, And then they review it and then they decide who appears to meet certain standards. All right, so they're going to, they receive right now, according to the story in 1819 that came out just uh, today, as a matter of fact, Thursday afternoon, oh, it's this Thursday, Thursday afternoon marks the application deadline for anyone hoping to get in on the medical cannabis business in Alabama. Now, I believe, by the way, that includes growers, packers, transporters, and uh, dispensaries. So, The L.M. Medical Cannabis Commission received nearly 600 requests for an application, said Executive Director John McMillan, but just 10 have been submitted as of Tuesday afternoons. In other words, they had 600 requests for an application, but only 10 came back filled out. Um, He says they expect significantly more in the next coming hours. So so yeah, we're going to find out very quickly whether or not the cannabis industry is about to really kick off with a bang or with a fizzle, but either way, it's kicking off. Says once the deadline passes, evaluators will then analyze the applications and score them based on eight factors, including things like financial planning, security measures. Because it's going to be a big deal, y'all. Grow farms. If you have a legal grow farm, you got to have it. First of all, you got to have it. You know, branded and posted. But then you're going to have to spend, you know, uh, a good bit of time making sure that it's not accessible to those who want to just invade in the dark of the night and harvest some of your crop. If you know what I'm saying, uh, it's not going to be like the cotton fields you drive past. Uh, on the side of the road uh, near my house. Um, it's it's going to be far more controlled than that. Um, all right. Once the deadline passes, they'll be going through all this. They also consider things like geographic dispersal. They want to know whether or not they're, they're all hunkered down in Jefferson County or they're spread out throughout the state. So the legislature did give the commission a little bit of slack because after the first year or so, if the commission sees we are underserved in some areas, because, you know, equitable distribution is going to be a big deal. Everybody's got to have their pot. So there's that. Another requirement for businesses, it says it must be at least 51% owned by an Alabama resident. I recall that being, I think the Farmers Federation had that put in because um, they were concerned that you would have all these uh, multi mega 1000000000 dollars out-of-state growers coming in and scarfing up the industry. And they didn't want it, you know, and, and Alpha's very conservative, by the way. But they were looking out for the farming industry, and I don't blame them. Uh, They didn't want to see an opportunity for growers in the state, I guess. As much as I oppose the overall, uh, Alpha was looking out for the opportunity for growers uh, to not be supplanted by out-of-state growers. So you got to be 51% owned. Okay, where are they putting this stuff? Well, you can't do it nowheres, no hows, unless you got a city or county ordinance saying it's okay. And even still, they can zone it. Uh, one community literally said they're going to be, I think it's Huntsville actually said that they're going to allow it, but they have to be in and around the hospital area. So you're not going to have them, you know, sitting in the popping up in the middle of your suburb. Um, it's not going to be like vape shops that show vape shops and mattress shops show up everywhere. Why is that boomer? Vape shops and mattress shops. Have you noticed that?
3: Oh, absolutely. They're like on every corner, and then you see the guys out there, twi- like
1: twirling those <laughs> those signs that
3: point towards there. Yeah,
1: know? like the things that the things that can be in any small town are <laughs> Dollar General, Mexican restaurants, vape shops, and mattress stores. Absolutely. Why is that? Anyway, and, but not dispensaries. Nope. Okay. All right. Here's where they're gonna be. So far. As of November 3rd, which I believe has expanded since then, um, there have been 28 Alabama cities. I think it's 39 now. 28 Alabama cities that counties that are, are agreed to go ahead and pass a resolution allowing for medical marijuana. Northport was the most recent one added in. You got, you ready? Alexander City, Birmingham, Butler County, Cowarts City, Coleman City, Coleman County, Daphne, Demopolis, Dothan, Enterprise, Foley, Gadsden, Glencoe, Good Hope, Houston, County, Houston County. I'm sorry, Huntsville, Killen City, Loxley, Macon County, Midfield City. By the way, uh, Montgomery, Northport, Opelika, Owens Crossroads, Russell County, Russellville, Spanish Fort, and Tuscaloosa. And so. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be those communities plus several more. That's a pretty wide dispersal. You don't see many of the rural areas, but I don't think you're gonna have many people driving down to Butler County looking for their medical marijuana. But the equitable distribution is gonna be a big deal. So I give it about three years, and next thing you know, the lobbyists for the cannabis association are gonna be making sure that Butler County has a dispensary. I guarantee you, and they'll find a way to make it Medicaid capable. All right, what is what can you? I mean, what illnesses qualify? And I know that some people, you know, are of the belief that it really does help. And I had one text a moment ago that said it really helped his grandfather in the last year of his life, and I, I, I won't dispute that—not not for a second. But I wonder—is it the kind of thing you want to be prescribed for? Some of what's on this list, we'll talk about it when I get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios, the local, the state, the national, man, we are covering down on all the issues, and like the dude just said, solid conservative and just plain right in hour number two. Hour number two of Camel Day. I say we play it again. What do you think? Oh, I... That's do it! A great idea. Do it!
2: Uh-oh. <laughs> Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Whoop,
1: Ah, uh, yes. It may have to be an hour. I don't know, man. Every every hour on hump day, maybe we do it. I don't know. But okay. Hey, uh, I got a caller on the line. I apologize for making him hear the camel again. Brian from Huntsville, how you doing, man? What's going on?
4: Hey, I don't mind the camel and everything, but when he goes, hey, Mike, 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 what day it is, I was wondering why the voice was female.
1: <laughs> There's been some editing done there. But I, I went to look back at that. I don't know. <laughs> I think Mike ignored him wow. on the original video, is what happened. But uh, uh, what's up, man? What's oh, on your mind? It,
4: well, serious question and everything. Ever since an old black and white movie in the uh, late 20s, I think Reefer Madness, yeah. or in that area, uh, marijuana is, by many has been considered a gateway drug yeah. going to more things. Yeah. Now and tapering off, could uh, this is a question? I got no idea. Could it be a gateway drug going back?
1: Yeah, um, I, I I do agree. And by the way, reefer madness was Terrible. my original choice for this uh, this 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 dipper. But um, is it a gateway drug? Uh, many studies say it is. I will tell you this from from experience. Um, one of my first jobs, Brian. Uh, out of college, working with kids, I spent the first ten years of my civilian life working with kids in ministry and in counseling. In counseling, I worked in a in a in a treatment center uh, where a lot of kids had addictions. I never once met an addict who didn't start with a low-level drug like marijuana. Most of them started with marijuana, and then the addicts uh, became what they were because of the gateway drug that got them into the environment. Um, so I do agree. There's there's definite room for concern. I- uh, go a, ahead.
4: It was a question. Yep. Uh, no, it was a, it was a question. Could it could it could it be a route back and then taper off with what you were saying? Ministry, ministry is not necessarily
1: Christian and everything, but I view it to be so. Uh, I, you know, very likely. Brian, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Goodbye. You too. Uh, we got a number of textures on the line by the way the number here is 833-687-4448 if and you want to call in or text in that's 833-68 right that's the number and by the way I will just I will stop the whole show right now just 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 cold hard stop and say I am so glad to be looking at the text line and see a message from Grandma Wanda from Coleman Grandma Wanda's back. Grandma Wanda, we love you. We wondered where you were. We're so glad you're in the audience. And uh, she says, uh, Grandma here, enjoying the show. Really good to be hearing you on today. Want to let you know that I've been here, been listening, and that I heard you the other day, because I did shout shout out for her the other day. First chance I've had to get back to you. She said, had a great Christmas. Looking forward to the new year. Mighty glad to have Right Side to go along with me into 2023. Awesome. I, I know. And she also said, too, she wants to hear something about Israel. So I think, you know, I was thinking about doing a segment on Israel in the coming days. So. Grandma Wanda, we're glad you're well. We're glad you're with us, and uh, thanks very much for being a part of the audience, and stand by. I think something on Israel will be coming up in the days to come. Um, All right, back to number one of the triple dipper. Uh, Wrapping this up, medical marijuana, the Bama buzz, where are we at? Here are the things that the law says it can be prescribed for. Autism spectrum disorder, cancer-related pain or nausea, Crohn's disease, depression, Although I could see it making you more depressed, but then maybe I'm wrong. Epilepsy or conditions causing seizures. HIV or AIDS-related nausea or weight loss. Panic disorder. Parkinson's disease. Persistent nausea. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Sickle cell anemia. Spasticity associated with multiple multiple sclerosis or spinal cord injuries. Tourette's syndrome. A terminal illness, which is undefined. Or conditions causing chronic or ret- intractable pain. It gets a little broad there towards the end, I'll be honest. Um, some of these things I'm hearing, it does help reduce cancer related pain or nausea. I, 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 I'm, I understand that some people say that in first hand experience that it does. Some of these, like panic disorder, uh, you, you're just all you're doing is medicating the, the, the underlying cause, in my opinion. I'm not a doctor, not trying to pretend to be. Post traumatic stress disorder, I would say the same. Um, the 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 thing you're going to have to watch out for is the expansion of these, um, you know, diagnosed issues that require a prescription for medical marijuana. Now, what's going on in the area? I will tell you this. Madison City Council, according to a story on December 19th, has rejected medical cannabis in their area. In fact, one of the stories I, I read said if folks want it, they can go to Huntsville. So the city of Madison will not be having Uh, medical marijuana, although they are bracketed by Huntsville and Athens, who have both said they will uh, if they get approved for a dispensary. Mobile, uh, one Mobile city official. Mobile has, by the way, I believe, approved it. I got the list, but I'm not sure if the list is updated. I believe Mobile has approved it, although one of their city councilmen was very much opposed to it, considered it to be a gateway drug, um, and, and, and opposes the idea of allowing this to be an emerging industry in his, you know, in his purview, uh, while he's a city councilman, he doesn't think it's a good idea at all. So there was definitely debate in Mobile, but I believe that Mobile has passed it. Birmingham, well, of course Birmingham does. I mean, the mayor of Birmingham, uh, liberal mayor Randall Woodfin, is is literally um, a an activist for legalization of marijuana of any kind. He's not even he's not even about the he just wants it, he just wants it approved. He wears his legalize it now T-shirts. He, he has been pardoning everyone who was convicted of drug possession of marijuana back to 1992 when he was probably born. Um, I, I just, anyway. So you kind of know where he stands. But uh, the Birmingham City Council did a first reading of an ordinance in October to allow, I mean, they didn't waste any time. Medical marijuana is already approved in Birmingham. Under state guidelines, it says Jefferson County could end up with as many as nine dispensaries. That's based upon population density. Um, and then it goes on, Mayor, Liberal Mayor Randall Woodfin said, there is high interest in this area. And I thought, is that a pun? Boomer, did you get that? There's high high interest in the area? <laughs> Liberal Mayor Randall Woodfin good. <laughs> having a little fun with the moment, I guess. There's high interest. There's in the high area.
3: interest. Yes.
1: High times in Birmingham. <laughs> uh, Woodfin cautioned against attaching a negative stigma and perception to medical marijuana, which he says can only be used by those who receive a medical marijuana card. True. Medical marijuana is for those in need of alternative medicine and health care, Woodfin said. I don't think it has a public safety component at all, said the guy who wants to legalize marijuana in general. Why would we take his opinion as the final way? I will say this, though. Uh, it won't be a smokable form. Uh, right now, medical marijuana in the state of Alabama can only be sold in tablets, capsules, tinctures, or gel cubes for oral use. Uh, they could be gels, oils, or creams for topical use. It could be suppositories, transdermal patches, nebulizers, or liquids or oils for use in an inhaler. But raw plant material that can be smoked or vaped uh, will not be allowed. So there's that. Um, all right. And, by the way, Decatur City Council has said nada. Um, oh, they did. I'm sorry. I got it wrong. I looked at my headline. Might want to read the notes that I've already highlighted. Here it is. But, yeah, December 7th, according to WHNT. Uh, Decatur city council approves the ordinance. So now Madison is bracketed by Decatur, Athens, and Huntsville that have all approved it. Um, anyway, there's that. Okay. That was, um, that was, that was necessary to lay that out for you, but I, I want to make sure y'all hear, this is not a panacea for everything. It's not going to be available to everybody. And I get that, um, do not mistake for a minute the fact that the legislature approved it as meaning that all the studies prove that it's the way to go and that being said also recognize too that the bill that they passed was the most unrepublican thing that has ever passed in the state of Alabama ever regardless of whether the marijuana was in it it grew government it raised taxes it impresses the possibility of violating civil liberties um and it and it just and it, it just does things that we say as Republicans we don't do. And oh by the way, marijuana. So there you go. Which by the way, marijuana is still going to be a federally controlled substance that our medical or excuse me, our our military community can get in serious trouble with their careers if somebody you know slips them something to help a headache and then they piss hot on the next uh, uh, random drug screen. Um, yeah, you can lose a career that way. So there's going to be some gaffes. There's going to be somebody who loses their job for driving a school bus while they're taking their medical marijuana. There's going to be somebody who has an accident under the influence, and they're going to not test positive for intoxication, so we're going to have to have a new means of screening whether they were under the influence of prescribed drugs, and then they're going to blame their doctor who didn't tell them they couldn't drive. It's, 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 there's going to be some kinks, I'm just going to tell you right now. Yep. But apparently there is high interest, according to Liberal Mayor Randall Woodfin. (laughs) Uh, Real quick on the uh, text line, uh, Brian from Somerville says, How are we as a public supposed to trust the state of Alabama to run something like medical marijuana? They can't seem to even figure out a gambling bill. How would this be any different? Ah, your point is well taken, Brian from Somerville. Uh, Pete from Muscle Shoals says, uh, Hootin' is a gateway drug to hollering. I don't know (laughs) what that means, but okay. Uh, Leanne from Huntsville says, if you get medical marijuana, do you not lose your ability to carry a firearm? You know, you you say that, but that was a question that Sheriff, uh, Phil Sims from Marshall County raised in his, um, in the article that I had earlier, I didn't read that part, but he questioned whether or not they're going to be allowed to give a permit to someone who is carrying a cannabis card, knowing that cannabis is a federally disallowed, um, substance. It's, it's a fair question. Paul from Athens uh, says, uh, with regard to this dipper, says, you smoked that one. Ha, 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 ha. Brian from Huntsville, why legalize marijuana when so much of the USA has gone to pot already? Oh, see, that was cynical. That was cynical. And then uh, glad to have a new listener. Pete from Muscle Shoals is in the text line. Thanks, Pete. Glad you're there. All right, Boomer, take us to a break, brother. We are right on time. Uh, Unless somebody wants to call in and talk about medical marijuana, I'm switching to the next part of the Triple Dipper the border wars. Do we have a border? What's happening with the border? We'll talk about it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Be right back. We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Um, I got some textures going on right now. Tony from Piedmont, appreciate your service, man. Thanks for letting me know where you've been and what you've done. Uh, absolutely. I love having all these veterans in our audience. Um, uh, Susan from Elkmont, uh just texted in and said, um, to go with the previous short story, I should also read one called "The Fable of the Ducks and the Hens." I guess I'd better look that up, but uh, we'll see. Um, and then Ron from Huntsville had a question: said, "How are they going to deal?" This talking about pot, pot again. How are they going to deal with a period of time that pot shows positive weeks after ingestion, unlike alcohol? Are you considered under the influence even though you took it weeks ago and still have a positive test? I don't know the answer to your question, Ron. I'm sure one of the geniuses at the new branch of government called the Cannabis Commission and their lobbyists at the Cannabis Association will, um, will certainly have the answers for us. We'll see. Okay. All right. Hey, let's move on. Uh, number two in the Triple Dipper, border wars. For all practical purposes, we don't have a border right now, by the way. Uh, we have a notional geographic location. Uh, we have a spot on a map we have a grid line if you will. You can you can pull the lat longs and see where the legal borders are of the United States, where our taxing authority stops. You can see where we can't step over the line without then incurring the wrath of a different version of the law because it's Mexico. But for the purposes of coming and going, nada. Ain't nothing. Nothing stopping people from massing at the border. And by the way, make no mistake, this is we're not looking at just um, illegal immigrants. It's mass migration. Literally mass migration. Uh, a, a while back, I did a study uh, on the show, uh, or like a like a segment on the show. I, I called it the Fall of Rome, and I went through what historians believe were the characteristics or or things that occurred that led to the fall of Rome when the when the when the Roman Empire basically crumbled and lost its influence and, and became a shell of its former self. You know, at one point the the Roman Empire was the was the, the ruler of the known world. Among the various aspects of societal evolution that caused the downfall of Rome, one of them was uncontrolled mass migration and the loss of their borders. Yes, I kid you not. So you look at this and go dang. It looks way too familiar. So first of all, do know this. Title 42, and to refresh those who are not aware, Title 42 was the Trump-era border restriction that was put in place uh, as a part of the uh, response to the pandemic, the COVID pandemic. It basically allowed Customs and Border Patrol to turn back certain people quickly and without difficulty because they were considered to be a potential threat during the pandemic because of where they came from. All right. That's been at issue now for a while because the president of the United States says the pandemic has ended. The vaccine mandate, even for the military, has now been lifted. We've proven that, you know, the the COVID vaccine is notional at best and doesn't seem to equate to, you know, curing society. Maybe maybe it reduces symptoms, depends on who you talk to, but it certainly creates symptoms of its own. All that to say we're relying upon Title 42 as one of the only legal tools that the Customs and Border Patrol men and women have to turn some people back when they get the hundreds and hundreds of thousands come swarming across the border. And Title 42 is about to be lifted. And there was a near panic by some of the communities down there along the edge of the uh, Mexican border. And they were they were saying that we could expect anywhere from nine to 14,000 illegals crossing the border per day. Once they realized that Title 42 was gone per day, y'all, per, do the math per day. Let's just round it to 10. If you have 10,000 a day, you're looking at upwards of 300,000 a month, a month. There is no border there. All of South and Central America and points beyond are just now here. So Title 42, um, there was an effort by some to uh, stop the administration from doing away with Title 42. Well, you know, on the one hand, I look at it and go, if you say the pandemic's over, then you can't keep using Title 42. But the administration wants to do away with it, but nobody else did. And there was a fight, a a legal fight. And the lower courts, U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan, he called the application of the policy, arbitrary and capricious, and said you can't keep enforcing it when you say there's no pandemic. Okay. So they went to court, and the Supreme Court of the United States yesterday halted the removal of Title 42. Title 42 will remain in effect. Title 42 will be in place to at least February, we know, because they're going to wind up taking it up. The Supreme Court is taking it up, which is basically a, a phraseology that means they've agreed to hear the arguments why Title 42 should or should not be maintained. They won't have a decision back till June-ish. So we can look at this thing being in place now for at least another six months. That's good news, but I'll be honest with you. I questioned why the Supreme Court had to be put in that position in the first place. We'll talk about it. Border Wars, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. Right side ruffians out there. You are listening to Right Side Radio. Solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here in the studios for hour number two. I'm talking about this show covers some ground across the northern part of the state, down south of Birmingham to way up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi all thrown in just for good measure. So I had a piece here a moment ago, um, and I was talking about Title 42, and, you know, on the one hand, I'll be honest with you, on the one hand, I'm relieved. And I know the Customs of Border Patrol is relieved. I know the, the border communities are relieved. And people all over the nation, truthfully, are relieved. The Supreme Court of the United States decided not to arbitrarily just look aside. They're going to they're gonna hear the merits of the case. I'm relieved. But on the other hand, I got to tell you, I, every once in a while, I wonder, what would I do if I had the judicial acumen to actually be a Supreme Court justice. I don't think I do, personally. I'm, I may be on a, I'm an attorney, but I don't try to pretend that I'm a legal expert. Um, and th- those those folks on the Supreme Court typically are uh, a notch above, and they should be. They should be, because they're deciding things that wind up transcending time, if you know what I mean. All that to say, I'm relieved that they h- upheld Title 42 at least temporarily. But I question why they had to be put in that spot. Here's the deal. Fox News has an article. They talk about the dissent. All right, so the dissent is usually the opinion rendered by those justices who don't agree with whatever the outcome is. You have the, um, you have the, uh, the majority opinion, and then you have the dissent. And they don't always even issue a dissent, but sometimes they write a dissent because they want to go on the record or they want to clarify why they thought they were not you know, uh, listened to or why the law said something differently or how it should be construed or for that matter, like Justice Thomas said, where he, he basically, uh, with regards to New York Times v. Sullivan, said at one point he believes it's time to revisit. Um, so Supreme Court Justices Neil Gorsuch and Ketanji Brown-Jackson, made an unlikely team on Tuesday, according to Fox News, against the majority opinion to indefinitely keep Title 42 in place while the high court considers arguments from uh, 19 Republican-led states. So Gorsuch is a Trump appointee. Remember that? And he wrote the dissent. He was joined, though, by Ketanji Brown-Jackson, who was appointed by Biden. They are on polar opposites, typically, of both the liberal conservative spectrum when it comes to the interpretation of the laws. But they agree on this. They don't believe it was the place of the Supreme Court to interact with this issue at all. The two justices argued that the Biden administration and Congress have failed to adequately address the immigration crisis that is likely coming after Title 42 is vacated, but they wrote that it's not the Supreme Court's job to issue policies where elected leaders fail. See, that's, that's, so, that's so true. Um, now, the, the rest of the court, Justice Roberts, Alito, Uh, Kavanaugh, uh, Coney Barrett, and uh, Thomas all agreed to hear the challenge. Uh, And they'll deal with it. And I suspect that Title 42 will not be upheld because the pandemic is over. But here's the quote from Gorsuch that really got me. I love this. This is so well said. He said, for my part, I do not discount the state's concerns. Even the federal government acknowledges that the end of Title 42 orders will likely have disruptive consequences. But the current border crisis is not a COVID crisis, and courts should not be in the business of perpetuating administrative edicts designed for one emergency only because elected officials have failed to address a different emergency. We are a court of law, not policymakers of last resort. What a great, what a great line. And how do you argue with that? I say all the time, I don't want to see judicial activism. And I agree with that. So on the one hand, I'm like, whew, dodge that bullet, Title 42, six more months. On the other hand, I look at it and go, it's not their job to set policy. It's not their job to legislate. And yet, that's what they're being asked to do. Because nobody in Congress wants to deal with it. And nobody in the administration wants to do anything about it. And so here we are going, hey, uh, Supreme Court, can you, can you throw us a bone? And that's what they're doing. Other things regarding the southern border that you may find interesting. Did you know? Um, the White House, according to the blaze.com, it says the headline here is the White House is enraged, not by 2.37 million illegal aliens, but by the 130 of them who show were a to Kamala Harris's house. <laughs> uh, so yeah, storyline from yesterday. Apparently, over the Christmas weekend, Texas Governor Greg Abbott allegedly sent three buses full of criminal non-citizens to Vice President Kamala Harris's residence over the weekend. A small reminder of the ongoing crisis faced by Americans in border towns. Of course, Democrats said, you left them out there to freeze in record 15-degree weather. Mm. They shouldn't have been here in the first place. And, oh, by the way, they were met by uh, people who provided them shelter and took them to uh, local churches and other things where they got blankets and they're, you know, they're, they're fine. But that being said, 130, 130, by comparison to the 465,000 who came in the country so far in this fiscal year, which, by the way, just started in October. So 130 rolled up in front of Harris's Washington residence at the Naval Observatory on Christmas Eve, and it's a freak out from the left. Yeah, well, they can continue to freak out. Meanwhile, you got hundreds and hundreds of thousands crossing the border, overwhelming border communities and overwhelming our customs and border patrol. So I don't know. Here's an idea. Make a plan and decide what you're going to do about it. I got an audio clip for you. Boomer, I tell you what, you ready, man, on these audio clips? You give me the thumbs up. Uh, Let's do audio clip number one is Brandon Judd. He's the president of the National Border Council, and he had some choice words. FOR THE ADMINISTRATION THAT REFUSES TO DO ANYTHING TO HELP THE RANK AND FILE MEMBERS OF CUSTOMS AND BORDER PATROL THAT HE IS SPEAKING FOR. PLAY IT. BUT well, MY UNDERSTANDING IS THERE WERE SOME 16,000 BORDER ENCOUNTERS OVER THE WEEKEND. ONLY 2,000 OR SO where DID THEY USE t- uh,
5: TITLE 42 TO INVOKE THE DEPORTATION OF THESE PEOPLE.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the problem. What's overdue is this president actually giving us policies and programs that's going to allow us to secure the border. Right now, if you look at Title 42, we've completely gutted it, even though the Supreme Court said that that we have to keep it in place. In the meantime, we're only expelling about a third of the people. That's why we have this explosion. If you look at Christmas, we just set a new record for Christmas Day apprehensions, and it wasn't even close. And that's the problem with this president and this administration. No new policies, no new programs, no new operations. The continues to be absolutely out of control. We're apprehending eight times what we should be apprehending. There's more drugs flowing into the country than ever before. All of this is complete chaos, and this, is, and this president is going on vacation. What's overdue is for him to give us the actual policies and programs that we need.
1: Well, and, and by the way, he pointed out the president's on vacation. The president left yesterday for in his entire family for St. Croix. He's in the Virgin Islands having a good time. Um, so you think about this. Okay, that was the guy who represents Customs and Border Patrol. He's the president of the Border Patrol Association, the National Border Patrol Council. I'm sorry. I mean, he is, he is authorized to speak on behalf of the rank and file. He can say things they can't say because they're in uniform. And he's saying it pretty strongly. Do something. Make a plan. Give us something to work with. Well, okay, they just passed a $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. 4,155 pages of government spending. Surely, to goodness, it included something that gives them the ability to, I don't know, secure the border. No. So here's a deal. Story on centersquare.com. Dated December 21st, just a few days ago. The $1.7 trillion omnibus bill that's over 4,155 pages long includes hundreds of millions of dollars to fund border security, but in other countries. So Democrats were joined by 21 Republican senators to advance the bill. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said on Tuesday, I'm pretty proud of the fact that with a Democratic president, Democratic House, and Democratic Senate, we were able to achieve through this omnibus spending bill essentially all of our priorities. Okay, those priorities did not include border protection here. According to the article, the bill would also fund increased processing and transportation of illegal foreign nationals throughout the U.S., All right, so wait a minute. So what we're talking about is it it increased funding, but it increased funding to help get them processed and into the U.S., not to stop them from coming in. The bill clearly states, here's the verbiage. You ready? This is actual quotes from the bill. The bill states, quote, none of the funds shall be used to hire permanent federal employees, For any flight hours other than those flown by U.S. and Customs Border Protection, Air and Marine Operations, except for internal transportation of non citizens, or to acquire, maintain, or extend border security technology and capabilities, except for technology to improve border patrol processing. What you just heard there is you can fly illegals elsewhere in the U.S., but you can't fly the border as oversight and reconnaissance. You can Hire all kinds of IRS agents, but you're not allowed to hire new Customs and Border Patrol agents. And oh, by the way, you can extend border security and technologies except, you you cannot extend border security and technologies unless it's for border patrol processing of illegals. That's unreal. But you'll be gratified to know there was $410 million in that bill to provide border security to the countries of Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, and Oman. I I don't, know how to, I don't know how to explain that. I, I don't know that it can be explained. To me, it feels like negligence. It feels like a, it, I, I hate to use this phrase because I feel like Democrats overuse it, but it feels like a slap in the face. Literally, it feels like a t- complete slap. Why would Republicans help join in on this bill, knowing full well the needs of those border communities and do nothing? But Kamala Harris is going to get upset when 130 show up at her front door. She didn't invite them in, by the way. Uh, Kevin Roberts, but yet clip number two, bud clip number two, Kevin Roberts is the president of the heritage foundation. He points out that we did have policies that were working until recently. Um, and he also points out by the way, the impact on every County in America play clip two. The idiocy, and I use that term intentionally, the idiocy of the president of the United States, not just going on vacation, but deciding, to your point, Jason, that we're not even going to observe the rule of law. This has not only a great tragedy as it relates to the people crossing the border, illegal aliens, but as our Heritage Foundation research showed a couple of weeks ago, literally, Every county in this country has received illegal aliens. This is a national problem that the president's trying to sweep under the rug. All we have to do is go back to the the process and the approach that was working but two years ago. But two years ago, we had systems in place that were actually working. And they were completely dismantled by the Biden administration. They own this. If Trump had messed something up, I'd be glad to say it. And there were aspects of, you know, the way Trump handled COVID that I didn't like. So I'll say those kind of things. I just called out a while ago Republican Congressman George Santos up in New York for being a liar on his resume. I get it. I'll call out both sides when I see something wrong. It was Republicans I was excoriating earlier about the bill they passed on medical marijuana. However, in this case, the Biden administration owns this one in full. They are the ones destroying the policies that were actually working on the border. And they were the ones who, by the way, were going down there to cry at the border. Remember Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Crying at the border because of the unjust situations she found where they were being detained, children in cages. Where is she now? Nowhere to be seen. Shoes on the other foot now, huh? You own this. You're supposed to be governing. And they're not. Take us to a break, Boomer. We will take the break right now. We will come right back and wrap this up. And then top of the hour, you're going to want to stay tuned, the Grand Council with myself, Jeff Poor and Dale Jackson. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, me and Boomer, right back. We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid conservative. Just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, listen, folks, before I go too much further, uh, let me let me just stop and, and pause and, and remind you, the folks at Riley and Jackson Law Firm, uh, they are friends of mine. I've worked with them on issues. I've worked with them on cases. They are solid. They know what they're doing. I feel comfortable advising you that they are working on some cases you might want to know about. Number one, if you were ever at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, maybe you were there as a service member in training or permanent duty station on TDY, doesn't matter, or maybe a service member is dependent, or for that matter, a contractor. All that to say, between 1953 and 1987, they are are finding now that there's like 19 different illnesses attributed to a confirmed contaminated water that was known about and should have been dealt with. Well, Riley and Jackson is working that issue. They'll be glad to advise you as to whether or not you may have a claim. The, another one that they're working on, though, they want me to tell you guys about is firefighting foam. Go yeah. figure, firefighting foam. So there's a version of firefighting foam that has now been determined to be carcinogenic. And if you have been a firefighter yourself or in the military using firefighting foam, you may have been exposed to a carcinogenic version of the foam that could result in you being eligible for a claim. Well, anyway, here's the bottom line. You want to call them, Riley and Jackson. You talk to a real person. They will not string you along. They'll tell you whether they believe you qualify for a claim or not, and they won't charge you for the phone call. They will not actually get paid unless they get a claim awarded to you. All right? Here's their, here's their phone number, Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson, 205 879 Five thousand. Do me a favor, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio because I get the biggest kick out of people telling me, yeah, we got more of your folks that called in. Good deal. All right, um, I am in number two of the Triple Dipper, wrapping this thing up here in the next few minutes. Top of the hour, we're going to the Grand Council with my brethren, Dale Jackson and Jeff Poore. Uh, so, yeah, uh, wrapping this up, the border wars, a couple things that I find uh, rather interesting. So, first of all, you know, one of the things that's happened is that the claims for asylum have just ramped up. Well, New York Post, as of yesterday's date, reports that the backlog of U.S. asylum claims now tops 1.5 million. Wow. You got a backlog of a million and a half people seeking asylum. Well, when they're seeking asylum, they're basically just released into the United States and told to show up at a future date for a hearing. And we'll see if they really ever show up. Uh, so, so, yeah. Yeah. The number of pending asylum applications has exploded in the past 10 years, it says, according to an analysis of federal data uh, by a clearinghouse at Syracuse University. And fears are growing that if Title 42 is lifted later, that this wind up being something that would just go exponentially even more. The number of asylum seekers, 1.565 million, is split between those who are waiting for hearings and those who are waiting for hearings before the USCIS. Uh, Customs or Citizenship and Immigration Services. So it's Department of Justice and USCIS that are sharing the load. Anyway, all this is saying there, there are so many of them. They can't even keep up. The backlog is 1.5 million. All right, what else is happening on the southern border that you may or may not have heard about? You've heard about the numbers. I mean, Fox News reporting again that a couple weeks ago, or excuse me, a couple of days ago, we were at 575,000 migrant encounters since October 1st. That's huge well over half a million just since the beginning of the fiscal year. I mean we're we're not even at the end of a quarter yet. So if you got if you got by the end of this quarter we're gonna be at over six hundred thousand. If you got that many and it stays on that same trajectory then you could look at just with Title 42 still being in place, you could look at what? 1.8 million, 3.6 million. Good Lord. Those numbers are huge, and the fentanyl crisis that comes with it is not just the human capital because we do have people dying trying to get across, and we do have people dying because they get across, and we do have people dying because of the trafficking of drugs across the border as well. Fentanyl is out of control. Well, you would think, though, that that would mean, whew, you know what? The drug crisis is out of control. we got to do what we can for interdiction. I mean, at the very least make them work for it. Right now, it's just a matter of, it's like a walk in the park. Well, one of the means by which we have been sort of shepherding the southern border has been with the use of twin-engine RC-26 aircraft. It's a mostly National Guard-flown U.S. Air Force or Air National Guard asset. It's a small surveillance plane. Um, in fact, the weird thing is uh, Representative Adam Kinzinger, who is no, I'm no fan of, He's a pilot of an RC-26. I didn't know that uh, in the Air National Guard. Anyway, the Biden administration is ending that program. They're actually scrapping the RC-26 altogether, even though Congress has asked them not to. The Air Force is saying, yep, we're not only doing it, we're accelerating the um, doing away with it. (laughs) We're not even going to wait until we said we'd do it next year. We're just going to do it now. Stop flying now. RC-26, no more drug interdiction flights. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Coming up next, the Grand Council. Jeff Poor, Dale Jackson, and me. Y'all stay tuned. ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios, hour number three. Local, state, national, man, we cover down on all of the issues. And like the dude just said, solid conservative and Just plain right. Well, it's that time. It's that time. Wednesday is the day. When we go to 4 o'clock hour, we hit the Grand Council. So the Grand Council, if you're not familiar, those of you that are just tuning in for the first time, is a weekly segment we do with two of my brethren who've been doing talk radio longer than me. Uh, And I'll just go ahead and call the roll and get them on in here. So uh, from FM Talk 1065 down in the coastal regions, also the executive editor for 1819 News, Jeff Poor. are you with us? I am present. You are indeed. Thank you, sir, for being here. And then also, the uh, 92.5 FM 770 AM WVNN's program director, morning show guy, and also does his thing for Yellowhammer News, uh, Dale Jackson. Are you with us? Ah! Oh! he is. All right. We got your signal back. Thank you so much. Gentlemen, I pronounce a quorum. Convene the Grand Council. Assemble the Grand Council. Ta-da! Ta-da. All right, fellas, you know the rules. We ping each other with questions. We don't know the questions in advance. We just see how we do, and sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't. So, Jeffro, you go first.
5: Uh, so, uh, George Santos. Let's talk about him real quick, and, and not so much about the scandal, uh, pathological lying aspect of it, but why you you, you watch left leaning TV and read all their outlets, and they're really keenly focused on this. Um, is this the Democrat strategy, to with a narrow Republican majority, very narrow, take out a few Republicans and try to regain the majority? Why? Why would did is, is, is anybody as suspicious as I am? Why this did stuff didn't come out during the campaign and why it's now national news, uh, a year, I mean a month and a half after the election?
1: Well, they, yeah, and they got to be careful though, because the dude's gay, and it's not going to fit their intersectionalities if they if they g- get rid of him. But I didn't um, even know that. Yeah, yeah, apparently that's his claim. Even though he's married to a woman until twenty twenty, uh, the next thing <laughs> on his agenda is he did leave her and marry a man. So there's prove yeah. it. <laughs> but but <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, yeah, I do believe they're trying to take out part of the narrow majority. Um, but if they do that, they're going to have to take out Joe Biden, too, because he's lied about his resume so many times. But I will say this. Last night, I, and the guy's a doofus, last time I watched his interview. By the way, he had some brass coming on Tucker's show last night with, um, uh, uh, what's her name, Tulsi Gabber was hosting for Tucker. But he did himself no favors. I saw him going on and I thought, this is not going to end well, and it did not, especially when he said, I could explain it all to you, but it would go right over the heads of the average American citizen and she you could see her face. She thought, My gosh, he just said that. So, um yeah, old boy is uh he's tainted goods. He'll be around for a while, uh, but it's still ugly. Uh, Dale? I mean you have guys like Richard Blumenthal, Joe Biden, yes. both
2: of the Clintons. Uh, I mean John uh, Kerry Adam Schiff. Uh, just go through the entire list of people aren't yeah. back bench players. These guys uh, are their front four and, and we're trying to tell us that, that this guy is unacceptable. Look, uh, uh, most Republicans say get rid of this guy. It, it seems. But but the facts are they want their majority. They want to they want to keep it, so they're going to defend him if they can. And that's that's the situation uh, that they find themselves in. Should he go? Probably. Uh, should he be demanded by both parties? Yep. Would they do the same to theirs? Not a nope. chance. Your
1: own question, Jeff, what
5: do you think? Can, can you really hold somebody accountable that won an election? I mean, elections have consequences, even yeah. if he lied. Yeah. I, I don't think you could demand he go. Guess what, people in that district? Do a better job picking out your nominee and uh, your ultimate representative. So, no, uh, I, I don't think he, he has to go unless he goes of his own free will. But I, I, I'm telling you guys, I really think there's um, there's a play here to, to pick off member by member and try to regain the majority.
1: I mean, remember when Trent Lott, the Republican, actually resigned because he said something that some people interpreted as being racist about some, you know, just at, at, you know, at Strom Thurmond's birthday party or something like that. Um, But I'd look at this. He's potentially, you know, there's potential possible problems here with ethics violations lying in your campaign because you put the material on a campaign flyer. But we'll see. Dale, you got the next question. What do you got? Uh,
2: Jeff Poor. Jeff Poor. Uh, he writes for eighteen nineteen. News. I know that you guys guy. Made, yeah, yeah. You guys may know him. He took me to task uh, today uh, because well, of a go. story I wrote during the Seven Things uh, about um, State uh, Representative State Hagen. I just had him on a, a stream that I just did at Facebook.com slash the Dale Jackson, where you can go see a conversation he and I had about remaking the majority leader's office using campaign funds. There was some scuttlebutt bouncing around about whether or not it was legal to do that uh, with uh, his own money and things of that nature. Uh, So there were some questions being raised. He says uh, he's going to pay for it out of his own campaign funds. Uh, He's looked. There is no issue uh, here on the table. Uh, I think this is mostly for Senator Williams since you've been down there uh, in the state house. Will this uh, issue be an issue for him if he's using his own
1: campaign funds to do it? Uh, I, I, I don't. You know, first of all, I have to say I, I'm not exactly sure. I do believe he's going to wind up having to account for the receipts and then donate these things to the state. I think it's going to have to wind up being that he signs them over uh, as a campaign donation. You are allowed to give campaign funds to charities, to uh, education issues, and you're also allowed to give them, I believe, back to the state. Um, so there's that, but uh, yeah, you know what? Questionable. There, by the way, better than the hanky panky they used to have because I remember several offices that were just decked out. There was one office we called it the million dollar couch. It was a ten thousand dollar leather couch that one Democrat back when they were in charge had brought figures. on state dollars. Uh, you probably know which one. Yeah, I think it might have been. But uh, had it brought into their office, and then the office was kind of they had to move some things around, change the walls apparently to make the office better for the person. <laughs> And the couch, the couch was too big to get out. They couldn't get it out of the office later on. It was stuck there. Um, unreal. But uh, I do believe that there's uh, the, the ability to donate these things to the state. We'll see. Everybody,
2: what about possibly? Jeff Poor's slander of me? Is that okay? A little friendly fire there.
1: Uh, Jeff, what are your
5: thoughts? Who, who is pushing this campaign against Stat Hagen? <laughs> where, 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 where are y'all getting this? Because y'all are going after this guy.
1: Wait, wait, wait. what's y'all? What's y'all? Because you're talking about Dale. Who's
5: y'all? Dale uh, and, and and Yellowhammer Incorporated here. Okay. Why Why, why are y'all going after Scott Stat Hagen here? What, what is? What, where how did, where how did, it did go this after come him? from?
2: I asked a very simple question to him directly. I had him on and talked to him about it. But, it but, no but before that,
5: him. before you had him on. How does this wind up into clutches I'm, of uh, Yellowhammer Incorporated? I've
2: been reaching out to him for the weeks. Clutches of um, the draggy fingers of Yellowhammer.
5: <laughs> who who, who, who um, is new? who is off the record? Who is Ab <laughs> Alloway with this reporting?
2: Tell me. I I, I just got to know. I I I look at it. and I'm like, uh, no. Defend
5: yourself, Dale. What's wrong with you?
2: <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Spaceless random say,
5: speculation here. What, what is going on here? Who is pushing this? Tell me. Tell me. Tell I will
2: say. Me. I will say this. I will say this. I, and and uh, these questions are out there. So these questions get asked. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, I think it was smart. It was Stathagin uh, to uh, go to Jeff Poor and talk to him about it and to go and talk to me about it. Um, I, I've been trying to talk about it for a while, but I, I just think it's wise that he have these conversations and, and I it's think just, it's smart that he lays what, it out. I, I think it's, it's a borderline sto- story that makes him look good. Personally. Well, what is this scuttlebutt? Hang on, hang on, like,
1: what is this
5: wait, scuttlebutt wait, 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 going wait, wait,
1: wait, around? Hang on a second. I got to ask. I got to ask. Dale, did Stathagen do better on your show than George Santos did with Tulsi Gabbard last night? That's what Yes. Okay. Easily.
2: E- easily, no, qu- no, absolutely no question about it. No question. But what is this?
5: It. What is this scuttlebutt? I, I need to know who are these people with this? Does this, this hot, hot gossip that are uh, no, no, that, that no, no, permeating Jeff. the media uh, uh, atmosphere here? here. Tell, me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me.
2: Jeffrey, I, I think you are well aware of the fact that it would be inappropriate for me to
1: divulge such oh, information. Oh, oh, okay. I, I just want to make sure we here can this point. this program.
2: I, I want to put this,
1: I want to make sure this is clear. I don't even know if we have a question here anymore. I don't even know what's happening. Are y'all
2: <laughs> the question? Are y'all the, the, the reason no, I brought it up? The, the question was asked in good faith, and, and, and you, your boy Jeff over there slandered oh, my good name. <laughs>
1: oh, good
5: faith uh, is, that, is that what you call it? Good faith. Oh, okay. I mean, give me a dictionary out, out here. We're going to define. Questions, yeah, Boomer. I don't even remember. Where are we right now? I <laughs> it's your turn. It's your turn, Senator. Oh, it's
1: my turn. All right, <laughs> shut up, both of you. Do some push-ups while I ask a question. I got I got like a minute and a half because of all the ranting you guys did. All right, let me ask you this. I'll, I'll ask I'll ask a, a qu- military vaccine mandate. The vaccine mandate went away. Biden actually signed the bill last Thursday. Did anybody see a press release in the DoD? I'm not aware of one. Um, was there any 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 hullabaloo at all. Was there any shouting from the DoD? Did the Secretary of Defense make a comment? I have not seen one. All I've seen is people reaching out for comment and getting emails back, but I've not seen an official press release. I find it interesting. Of course they lost, but I find it interesting that we can't even see a true press release about a significant issue of policy with the military. Your thoughts, Dale Jackson, former sergeant. Well,
2: the the biggest problem I have with this is, okay, this is one of the things they say that was hurting their recruiting, right? Well, now that it's over, like you just said, you, you should be touting. You may not like the policy, but you know, turn around and execute, right? Uh, get out there and, and get the mission completed. Use this as one of your tools uh, to get recruiting back to where it needs to be. But yeah, you're right, they, they've done nothing here. Uh, and uh, they seem to be uh, say basically upset that they've lost the battle. They're putting a little Jeff poor there, a little poor-mouthing <laughs> themselves, <laughs> and they need to move on and, and be happy oh. that they have this weapon here to
1: use. Jeff, to the extent you can with about 30 seconds, what are your thoughts on this issue? On this issue, not on Dale, uh, but on this issue.
5: They're not good at taking the L like Dale. Uh, th- that is clear. <laughs> so that's why you're not seeing the press release. No, it's it's, it's just, well, uh, we, we don't want to – we don't want to over-advertise this. We still want them to think that they have to get the vaccine. Uh, I, I could see that being the play.
1: Well, and, and, I, and, I, and I agree. I think that is the play. But the, but the reality is this. When you've got a major policy change like this, something that affects those who have lost their careers in the last two years and, and, and now they're suddenly going to change it, There's been, they hadn't said boo about it. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, within the halls of the Pentagon, people are like, "Woo, glad that's over with. But they don't want to make a statement. Um, So, anyway, more to come on that one. i got a whole segment coming up next. All right, just a reminder, we do have one of the rules is we have to love each other when we're done. Boomer, take us to a break real quick before Dale and Jeff get into it again because, you know, that's what we do. (laughs) Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. We're here with the Grand Council, my brethren, Jeff Poor and Dale Jackson and myself. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid, conservative, just plain right. Here on the Grand Council for round number two this Wednesday at 1228. That's our date. Uh, with Jeff, uh, Jeff Poor from FM Talk 1065 and also writes for 1819, or executive editor for 1819 News, Dale Jackson from 92.5 FM, 770 AM, WVNN. He hates it when I say it that way, but he also writes for Yellowhammer News, Dale Jackson. All right, fellas, we're back. I think Jeff, you're first.
5: Yeah, we'll kick it off here. Um, the uh, I, this Title 42 uh, is a head scratcher to me because just because the Supreme Court comes out and says, well, yeah, yeah we're going to extend Title 42, it's like suddenly the Biden administration, well, we were we were just going to uh, uh, you know run roughshod over immigration law and anything and uh, let let these immigrants come on across illegally, but no, oh, there's Title 42, Supreme Court said, so we're going to stop. Is there any reason to take that seriously, and why do people care so much about, is it just the, the symbolic nature of the victory?
1: Well, I, and, and By the way, I, I will point out, first of all, that while we were under the break, that Dale made a motion to uh, amend the schedule, allow him to go first, and you and I both voted that down. Um, so, uh, yes, that being yes. said, with regards to your question, um, that was one of my questions, too. Why does it, does it matter? I mean, first of all, I think, you know, as a, as a policy matter, the Supreme Court should have never been in this position in the first place. I mean, Gorsuch wrote his dissent, joined with Ketanji Brown-Jackson, by the way, and said that literally the court's role should never be to be the one being making policy. They shouldn't be put in the position of fixing an emergency that a legislator or an executive branch chose not to fix. Um, but, but that being said, Title 42 is going to go away anyway. It's just going to take a little bit longer. Um, and, and I'm, I'm kind of relieved it didn't go away yet. But I don't really suspect that the Biden administration is going to come up with a plan in the meantime. they got six more months to work, and they're still not going to do it. Dale, your thoughts?
2: <laughs> it's not like it's worked. I mean, give me a break. We've got record immigration anyway. What does it matter? I mean, it's, it's, what, it's like the equivalent of putting turnstiles up instead of just letting people walk straight through. I mean, it just, it's just none of it really matters.
1: Wound. It's a Band-Aid on a sucking chest wound, but at least it's a Band-Aid. Yeah. You know? Yep. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, your own question, Jeff. What are you thinking?
5: No, I, 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 it's confusing to me why, and the less making a big deal out of it, the right did initially, like, oh, he showed them. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's so much of what politics is. It's just point scoring. And then you look at, and, and, and I hate to sound like, the, you know, the, uh, oh, wow, well, we need to have higher-minded discussions about policy and our politics. But uh, this is, like, emblematic of that totally.
1: Well, this is a higher-minded show. So there you have it. Um that was supposed to be funny. Nobody laughed at all at
5: that. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and wait for that to get
1: funny. <laughs> okay, thanks. Appreciate you. Jeff's turning on me now. Jeff, it's a free-for-all. Jeff's against everybody today. Um, Dale, you got a question. You wanted to go first. We said no, but here you are. What you got?
2: Uh, a new report has a bunch of Chinese folks headed to Italy, and I think two-thirds of them tested positive for the coronavirus. Um this sounds like a replay of a play we've already seen before that we do not want to revisit, uh, but it looks like we're getting ready to. They are spreading their illness across the country, across the world once again. Uh, are, are we headed back into a coronavirus
1: season four? Well, is it, a, is it a new version of the novel coronavirus? Is it, is it a variant we should be worried about? Or is it the same old crap that the vaccines didn't fix and everybody's going to get it and it's going to be all right? What, what, what's the word? I don't know. But, you know, the whole
2: argument has been, and and this is with all viruses, so it's not normal BS that they're giving us, is the longer it exists, the more places it goes, the more likely it can mutate into something crazy. Uh, Yes, it has mutated into uh, less uh, terrible stuff so far. That's good. But it's just interesting that uh, now we're like China saying, "Oh, I guess we're done with this completely," and now you're finding they're they're out transporting their their grossness across the globe again.
1: Well, and what's also ironic in a not so funny haha way is that uh, the Biden administration today came out and said they're going to restrict travel from China because of their COVID pandemic that's this flared back up, and yet he called um, he called uh, 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 the Trump administration, you know, some kind of. I forgot which phobic it was. It was one of the phobics they like to use, uh, but but basically he was a racist for not allowing Chinese to uh, come in back then. But now Biden's going to do it. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts?
5: Uh, the correct term is xenophobic. xenophobic. I believe. Thank you. Xenophobic. 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 It's with an X, not a Z. Dale.
1: Not Z. Your princess, but okay.
5: Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, anyway. Uh, so uh, I, 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 I do. I do wonder if this is. You know, I don't think we're done with this. What does it look like? What? And there will be. I, I'm, what I worry about is the opportunism on, on either side, and, yes. and I feel like the, the, the left is just using this as a way to um, to achieve other ends, as they have all along. I
1: uh, totally agree. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll watch for it, but I, I will say this. At the very least, I think society is far more aware, and there's less people that are going to want to just kowtow to whatever the rule is at the time. Um, all right. Hey, listen, very little time left, like 10 seconds. Here's my easy question for you. How long is it okay to leave up a Christmas tree? I have one in the studio behind me. Am I out of line, Jeff? Get that thing down. <laughs> Get it down. Just, just I, do, do your do your duty. I knew the Grinch would show up with Jeff. All right. What it's do you over. Doing? Christmas is done, man. Come on. Dale, can I take down my tree or no? What do you say?
2: In my house, we take the tree down after Christmas, and then we put it up the next day, so we're ready for next year already.
1: Oh, see? Wow. Okay, trailer park stuff there. All right, uh, fellers, appreciate you as always. The Grand Council, Jeff Poor, FM Talk 1065 and 1819 News Dale Jackson, 770 AM 925 FM WVNN and Yellowhammer News and me, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right side ruffians out there. You are listening to Right Side Radio Solid Conservative, just plain right. <laughs> And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. I'm talking about we cover down on some ground way down south of Birmingham to up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Uh, Thanks for staying with us. We're almost to the end of the show. It's go-home time. And, listen, we're in that weird week, all right? This is that weird weird week. You're kind of in – the holiday purgatory. What day of the week is it? I don't even know what day this is. You know, you're looking at it and thinking, if it weren't for the fact that we played the camel soundtrack, I might not know what day it was on the show. Um, So all that to say, it's that weird week where it's almost like things are more chill even at work. So if you are going to work tomorrow morning, you might be wearing jeans where you normally wouldn't be. Let me just encourage you, make it feel more like a holiday on your way in tomorrow morning by stopping at Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road out in Madison towards City Hall, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville down yonder towards uh, Whole Foods. So stop by in the morning. Maybe you just avoid the usual biscuit through the drive-thru, right? You stop at Just Love Coffee Cafe. I'm looking at the menu right now. Whew, you might get a womlet. A wamlet? you say? Yes, a giant omelet cooked in a waffle iron that has eggs, sauces, cheddar cheese, onions, peppers, tomatoes, tater tots, all in it and sprinkle with black pepper. It's I've had. I love the tater. I love that the wombat. But then there's the bacon tater, the bacon tater, hash brown waffle, hash brown waffle, hash brown waffle, cheddar cheese and bacon, sprinkled with black pepper. Serve with a side of sour cream or ketchup. You got dippers. We, you can have by the way as a sausage or chicken wrapped in a waffled biscuit, served with a choice of sausage gravy, syrup or mustard. You got all this stuff on the menu that's so different, so much better than the average. Grab it on the way. Stop by. Just Love Coffee Cafe. Maybe get you a giant cappuccino or just some freshly ground dry roast coffee and something off the menu that you'll be glad you had. Make your day special. Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations, Hughes Road and Madison, South Parkway in Huntsville. And please tell them when you get to the checkout counter, you heard about it on Right Side Radio. All right. Uh, Hey, listen, we are in number three of the Triple Dipper. Boomer, we made it. We made it. We did. Woo! To number three.
3: (laughs) That's it. Like, that's always an applause. It's always. It's always an applause. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'll be in the area all day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, But, yeah, we made it. Um, So, number three on the Triple Dipper, Vaccine Odyssey. I say that because this has been some more kind of a ride. You know, Homer's Odyssey, filled with adventures and monsters that got in the way and things that happened. Well, it's a vaccine odyssey. The military has been through the ringer when it comes to the vaccines. It's been a question that has affected morale. It's been a question that's caused division in the ranks. It's been a question that has caused the president of the United States, the commander-in-chief, to treat people differently. It's been a question that's been called up because I'm a believer in good order and discipline, and yet I'm also a firm believer in religious freedom. And you had people that were applying for what the law allows them to apply for. By the way, don't think they were being disobedient, or in some way dishonorable. The law of the nation allows everyone, in uniform or not, to have freedom of religion. And by the way, there's a thing called the Freedom, uh, the, the, I've forgotten the name of it now. The, the Act is the Freedom Restoration of Freedom in Religion Act or something like that. But the bottom line is this. You can't tell them they cannot apply for an accommodation for their religious beliefs. And yet the military was denying people wholesale without giving them what the law requires as a one-on-one, case-by-case review. And you had people losing their careers, despite the fact that the law on one hand says you can ask for religious accommodation, but on the other, they're being denied the opportunity and told to end a career that they were very likely passionate about. So when this happens, it's a complete disruptor for morale, and by the way, it suppresses recruiting, and don't tell me it didn't. Recruiting's at an all-time low. Well, some say that's because there's so many jobs available in the civilian sector, people don't feel the need to go to the military. Bull crap. That's not true. Look at the labor participation rate. There may be jobs available, but the labor participation rate still sucks because they're still paying people to stay home. There are some states where the level of welfare and, and benefits you get for not being at work exceeds that which you might get for the average job. So don't try and use that whole, well, the job market is booming out there, so that's the reason why people aren't joining the military. Might be some, but it doesn't account for the record levels of low recruiting, 40-year lows. They're perking up a little bit now, but even, even some of the generals are beginning to admit that the vaccine mandate was a part of the reason why people were avoiding the recruiters. All right. Let's talk about some things that happened. Let's give you a little bit of the odyssey. A little bit of the odyssey, the, the, the manner in which this had to go down All right, over time. So President Biden, with zero fanfare, no public statements. And by the way, where's the press on this? Could the press please ask um, the uh, glass ceiling breaking press secretary uh, where we are on this? Why has the White House not made a statement? President Biden signed the defense policy bill this past Friday as he left for the Christmas weekend. It includes a provision cleared by the House and the Senate to repeal the administration's military vaccine mandate. Um, it goes on to say that here are the things that happened along the way. So remember, the very first lawsuit that was filed. So Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin implemented the vaccine mandate in August of 21. So we're not quite a year and a half ago. He implemented the mandate. Immediately, it began to be Controversial. There The first federal lawsuit was filed in November of 21 by 35 active-duty SEALs and three reservists. These are all special operators. Fox News learned, this story, by the way, came from Fox News, uh, dated December 23rd. Fox News Digital learned that a series of directives by the U.S. Navy had promised severe punishment against violators, including court-martial, criminal prosecution, revocation of special operator status, drastic pay cuts, and a ban on travel for SEALs who did not comply with the mandate by the end of November 2021. A lower court, though, issued the first hold, the very first one, the first legal injunction was issued in early 2022 as a result of that lawsuit. Next, what do we have? Oh, by the way, they also discovered, by the way, that unvaccinated Navy sailors who were requesting religious exemptions were being transferred into deplorable living conditions. Fox News is the only one who reported on that. Substandard housing, Uh, internment, I guess. The Air Force and the Space Force. So last month, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld an injunction from October that protects unvaccinated U.S. Air Force and Space Force service members from being punished or involuntarily terminated. But the Air Force is still grounding pilots who sought religious accommodations. The Marines. The Marines very quietly issued some interim guidance in September of this year, which amended the action they were taking against Marines um, who were seeking religious accommodations. The amended guidance came only, though, after a U.S. federal district court in Florida issued an injunction against the Marine Corps from taking certain actions against those seeking religious exemptions. See, all of this is allowed by law. You're allowed to say under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. That's what I was trying to say. I couldn't find my terms a minute ago. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act, you're allowed to seek an accommodation. And you may have to validate it. You may have to approve it, but the military is supposed to give you a one-on-one case-by-case review. They weren't doing it. The U.S. Army subjected unvaccinated soldiers to punishment, including prohibiting off-base travel, halting promotions, and enforcing involuntary terminations for the service, which active duty service members claim was a strategy to pressure them to abandon deeply held religious beliefs. Uh, Army spokesperson did confirm that there were certain adverse administrative actions that were being pursued. We know that. And the Army has separated nearly 2,000 soldiers for refusing the COVID-19 vaccine. So when you take the attrition from those who were discharged, upwards of 8,000 total, I believe, and then you look at the low recruiting for those coming in, you have both a retention and a recruiting problem, and COVID-19 vaccine mandates were largely at the heart of it. And, and, and by the way, it, it, it portrays a service that won't take care of its individuals. That's what's happening. Well, we're taking care of them. We're making them get a shot that'll keep them from getting sick, except it doesn't. We're, we're, we're giving them an order. It's an order. They're supposed to follow orders. They're also allowed to have freedom of religion because you don't sacrifice all of you May You may sacrifice some measure of movement and freedom, but you don't sacrifice your constitutional rights. You don't sacrifice your liberties when you go in the service. You don't. All right, there's going to be some interesting developments, though, and what we're not hearing right now is the DOD's way of implementing this. Now, the DOD did issue a cease and desist. They stopped. They stopped cold, hard stop. They were allowed 30 days to accommodate after the signature, but they gave a hard stop on day, day two, I think. So good on them for that. But the U.S. military court of the CNN is also bracing for the impacts of how this implementation is going to go down. Now, this is interesting, I will admit. Because they're pointing out in this article from CNN on December eighth, and by the way, this was CNN also trying to basically get the message out there that Congress shouldn't pass the bill, but they did. Um, that this is going to be interesting when you have military foreign partners, foreign nations that we partner with or train with or or have stationed you know, troops in, um, that they require COVID vaccine mandates, and yet we're not now. Hmm. Okay, well, we can deal with that, and I guarantee you they still want us there. I guarantee they do. Deputy Defense Press Secretary Sabrina Singh declined on Wednesday to go into detail about what the Pentagon was preparing for, this is about several weeks ago, by the way, if the mandate was repealed, which it now has. Instead, emphasizing that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin believes the mandate was still important. Uh, she called it a readiness issue if we got rid of it. I call it a readiness issue if we kept it. She said it's not just about, the article says it's not just about American troops often having additional vaccine requirements. It's the question of what's going to happen with the foreign countries we interact with. For instance, they say in the article, uh, retired General Robert Abrams, who used to command all U.S. troops in South Korea, says it's going to be difficult because South Korea and Japan are countries that host thousands of U.S. service members and they still require a COVID vaccine for entry. Hmm. Okay, well, then we just tell them if they don't want us there let us know. We'll save billions of dollars. It's not going to happen, though. What they're going to do is they're going to wind up amending their own policies, and it's going to be fine. Marine Corps Commandant David Berger did say uh, several weeks ago the mandate was having an impact on recruiting. He he pointed out, though, in a way that kind of talks down about people that didn't want the vaccine by saying because of they live in parts of the country where there's still myths and disbeliefs about it. <laughs> well, General, just go ahead and accept the fact that it was hurting your recruiting, and that's where the conversation could stop. All right, so the vaccine odyssey. What is it, it going to do to the troops? What, what's going to happen? Is there going to be any reinstatement? I got something on that. We get back from the break. Y'all stay tuned. We get back. We'll talk about what's going to happen. That was, that was the vaccine mandate has gone away. But what happens to those who were discharged in the process? In the last year and a half, 8,000 people lost their careers. And by the way, that doesn't even account for the ones who voluntarily put in their papers. A good friend of mine did that. He had 16 years of service. He decided he was getting out because he wasn't going to do it and he would get out under his own steam. Wow. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid conservative, just plain right. Hey, by the way, let me just tell you, the, the folks at ZLA Solutions, by the way, these are friends of mine. I know these people personally. I talk to them quite regularly. ZLA Solutions has been tearing it up. Their their expansion has been something to behold. And it's because they are so good at what they do. They provide lots of different business-level solutions. They can do things like your sorting and containment, your logistics, your warehousing. But their bread-and-butter man is staffing. And if you are personally looking for a job, you can go to their website, ZLAUSA.com. they got great jobs posted all over the northern part of our state, really out of the state now, too. But if you're an individual, excuse me, if you're an employer looking to fire find some individuals to come to work for you, they can do that for you. All the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing, blue collar, white collar, no collar, it don't matter. ZLA Solutions. They do what they do because their goal in life is what their motto is, to help you make your business better. They like to say at ZLA, we don't make it. We just make it better. That's what they love doing, and they're doing a good job at it. So give them a call. Check them out. ZLAUSA.com is the website. Please, by the way, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. All right, I got uh, I'm still in number three of the Triple Dipper, the vaccine odyssey for the military. Uh, i got a caller on the line. Is that Jeff? Jeff from Indiana. How are you doing, bud? Oh, I'm
6: keeping warm anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that's, that's saying something, and you're not on the road yet right now, are you?
6: No, I go back on the third, thank goodness. Well, <laughs> so, all right.
1: What are you thinking, man? How about this vaccine? I see you got something on the board here about you wanted to call and talk about the vaccine. What you thinking?
6: Yeah, uh, I mean, you you seem to feel feel You still seem to be under the impression that the, that the enforcement arm <laughs> of the government enforces laws that they don't like. <laughs> that just don't happen.
1: <laughs> well, so what do you, what are you saying? What do you, what with regards to the vaccine? What do you mean? Well, as far
6: as the vaccine, and everything uh, and everything else. Uh, when, when you know, they pass laws and they say they're going to do this, that, and everything else, but the enforcement side of the government doesn't want to enforce those laws, they're not going to enforce them.
1: Well, they, and they, that's they,
6: plain and simple. Well, they
1: sure enforced the vaccine. I mean, they were ending careers over that one. I'm just glad to see that thing gone right well,
6: now. Well, that's the that's the thing that they wanted to enforce. They're, 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 it's picking and choosing. It's just like whenever uh, the FBI shows up at a Democrat's house, uh, you know, it's this one guy, and they show up at the Republicans' house. Swat team. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much how it goes. Well, but, uh,
7: yeah.
1: well what,
6: what I'm wondering is who do they have immunity from from lawsuits on the vaccine?
1: Who the because government?
6: A, everybody, I mean the, the manufacturers, the doctors, everybody. Because uh, uh, I know people that you know been gotten real sick, and people have died from taking the vaccine. That's, that's what they don't really say and don't tell you much about.
1: No, and I think those are coming. Uh, in fact, I believe there's already been a few lawsuits already filed, but I think those are coming. I think what you're going to wind up seeing is there's going to be a lot of discretionary immunities, what they call it, for, their, their, for the governments uh, who made the decisions, um, but you're going to wind up seeing manufacturers' liability. You're going to wind up seeing studies that that prove things, and it's going to wind up being 10, 12 years down the road before they find a true connection uh, that they can point to and say unequivocally. But right now, anecdotally, everybody knows uh, that the vaccines have been problematic, and they certainly haven't done everything they're supposed to do. What I think is going to wind up happening is the government could be liable for ending people's careers and for overstepping their bounds on something that was experimental. and And we'll wait and see. But I don't know, man.
6: I mean, it was an emergency thing and everything. But you know, like I say, it's like they pushed it through, pushed it through, and then when they knew it was a problem, they still pushed it through. That's the problem.
1: Yeah. I, I I I totally agree. And by the way, I'll I'll say that was also partly in the Trump administration. Um I think Biden took it a step way 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 too far. Uh but the Trump administration was partly there with regards to their operation warp speed trying to get that vaccine out when I think that was part of the problem was the rush. Um Yeah. A lot all right. of
6: bad information on their part I believe.
1: Jeff Rowe, enjoy your time off, buddy. You got a few more days. All right.
6: Well, thank you Phil. You have a good one, man. See
1: you, man. Um all right. Hey, listen, let's wrap this up. The vaccine odyssey. I'm not even going to get to most of my stuff on this. I have so much more to go through. Um, by the way, I, I will point out that the U.S. military is changing its recruiting. I may wind up I may wind up saving some of this and having a whole segment tomorrow on military recruiting. I think I may. Um, but that being said, what's going to happen to those who lost their careers? Are they going to get reinstated? If you're not familiar, military.com has an article dated December 16th, that points out the fact that during the vote, when the Senate passed the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, when they passed the NDAA, there was debate on the floor. And the debate on the floor included the opportunity for amendments. And there was an amendment being offered, um, in that case by Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin and Ted Cruz of Texas, that would have reinstated the 8,000-plus who lost their careers. It would have reinstated them. It would have given them back pay and benefits. It would have offered them uh, time served, uh, and it would have made sure that their their records were honorable. Um, It was voted down. It was voted down 40 to 54. There were Republican Senators Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, and Mike Rounds who joined the Democrats to vote it down. I predict this. Legislation will be coming that will allow the reinstatement for those who wish to come back. I believe it will. Is it there yet? No. We'll talk about this more tomorrow, I do believe. All right, folks, what an amazing day. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Boomer and I back here tomorrow, too. Y'all have a great night. We'll see you then. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, just plain right.